The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. mechanics and welcome to board with video games the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television you can think of us as the tea and honey of gaming podcasts we're a proud member of the psvg podcast network i am one of your hosts kyle and joining me on this co-op adventure the guy whose floral sweetness offsets my herbal bitterness josh how are we doing this evening oh you know just living life during this holiday season which brings you know, joy and stress and strife to your life. <laughs> it's been miserable. The past week <laughs> has been awful. And I'm I'm happy to be doing this uh, because this is a nice relief. I just, I love my wife to death. I just can't wait till holidays are over and we get back to being able to be around each other and not hate each other. <laughs> okay, well. I'm, I'm not, we don't hate each other, but you know, it's, it's, it's stressful, and it's our first year with a kiddo who's active, way more active, and, and you know, PAX was not too long ago, so money's extra tight, and, you know, we try to be kind and gift our friends and family, and it's getting tight around this time. You know, I, th- I think it's interesting, because this last weekend, uh, you know, I went to, we went to my family's for Christmas, and my family, which I'm very happy about, my family decided that we are no longer exchanging gifts. No gift exchange are happening other than I have a niece. There is one niece in my, like, there is one small child in my family. So my, my parents only have one grandchild. Uh, we all give gifts to her. But other than that, there is no gift exchanging, which I'm very appreciative of. My, my wife's family, we haven't quite gotten to that point yet. Uh, we still exchange <laughs> gifts. And I realize as I sit here now that they all come this coming weekend. We're hosting for them for the first time. So my oh, wife's my family is coming here. I haven't purchased my gift for that yet, so I probably need to do that here. Um, so, yeah, but I can't imagine, you know, especially having a kid, because, you know, I'm not in that situation. I feel like the holidays just must must be far more stressful and complicated than they were prior to having a kid, because suddenly I feel like probably everybody wants to see you, but they don't really want to see you. All right. They want to see your kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, complicated is a good word for it. Not only that, but we then, if we have friends who have kids, all of a sudden we are now obligated to get those kids gifts because we have a kid and we have to anticipate them getting him a gift. So then you have to start thinking about who who else I have to get gifts for. And then like we were talking because Paul asked about the Transformers game on Twitter and Mm -hmm. I was like, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can tell you I'm getting her that. And then she's like, hey, I listen to the podcast now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now that was spoiled. Yeah, it's just, oh, Kyle, everything is a mess. And I love Christmas. It is my favorite holiday. Um, and I can't wait to, to, my kid can appreciate gifts now. He can open them. He can like, I'm really excited for Christmas morning. But also I'm not because I'll be traveling and and it's going to be a long day. And I don't, you know, I have to go back to work the 
the next day. Right. So I'm also not excited. So, you know, I'm not a retail, so that's always the positive. That's true. I don't have to work on Black Friday or working on Christmas, day after Christmas isn't the same now as it used to be. Right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I was very torn about the idea of hosting Christmas and I get for like, some people like hosting, you know, 15, 20 people for Christmas is no big deal because that's just what their family always does, you know, yeah. but like we've never hosted anyone before for a holiday. So now there's like this extra pressure of, you know, OK, is the food we cook going to be as good <laughs> as the food that her mom would have cooked? You know, and I'm very confident in my cooking abilities. I really am. I feel like I cook pretty solid food, but, you know, that's some nerves there. Right. And then, you know, you can tell that. Her mom's a little disappointed she's not hosting and that they're coming here, which I get, you know, it's like, oh, my kids come home for the holidays. And, you know, we're in that situation where either way, two groups of people are going to have to travel because we live in Iowa. Her parents live outside of Chicago. And then her sister and her, and her sister's husband live in St. Louis. Oh, wow. So two groups of people are going to have to travel either way. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to St. Louis because that's a really <laughs> long drive for both of us, even though it'd be warmer. Uh, that's a really long trek for both of us, for both her parents from Chicago and us from Iowa. So, you know, her sister's going to have to travel either way. So, yeah. With you guys? Yeah. So they're coming. Oh, it's like National Lampoons. Yeah. So they're um, <laughs> coming the, the Saturday, the 22nd, and they're staying through the 26th. Ooh, exciting. Yep. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. So, like I said, I, you know, I know some people, that's old hat. That's no big deal. They'd be like, yeah. only six people. Uh, you know, and maybe in the future, only it will be only six people. But for this year, it's, oh, goodness, six people. So, yeah, <laughs> I have some house projects I have to finish before then. One of the bedrooms that we have in our house doesn't have any window coverings on it yet. So, <laughs> got to do that in the next week sometimes. So it'll be great. It'll be great. But hey, you know what? This isn't Josh. Bored with family. This isn't a bored with family podcast. <laughs> Though I do really quickly want to get to you. Are you a tea fan? Uh, you know, I've, tea has recently grown on me. But when I read your description, mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of was an IPA. So I, I didn't, I didn't uh, make that correlation, even though it's right there on. Gotcha. The <laughs> and you know, I'm tonight. I am drinking a coffee milk stout. So the IPA thing isn't uh-huh. exa- isn't exactly, um, you know, what I was going for there, but. Yeah, so so tea. Are you are you? Yeah. You said you're recently a tea fan. Do you put honey in your tea? Uh, you know, I used to when I was making like tea with tea bags, but we have mm-hmm. like the Keurigs now, so I have like the um like a lemon ginger tea right now. Oh, nice. Um, but I recently just started drinking coffee. Um, mm. and I've never been a fan of. I drink lattes. Let's be clear. <laughs> I want to be sn- yeah, your first possible. latte at PAX. Yeah, and then I today I had a latte with two espresso shots and added into it so i guess that's technically three because i guess well it depends on what size there's already going to be some espresso in your latte it just depends on how much yes it was a large with two nitro boosts Ooh, well if it was a large depending on where you go i mean that might already be two or three shots of espresso so i thought my heart would explode out of my It didn't, and I'm still here to tell the tale. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, I say fortunately, darn it! Yeah. You're supposed to be the you're supposed to be the floral sweetness. Come on now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll have to do some sort of beer reference next time, and maybe I'll go for an That's IPA okay. reference. That seems good. So, but hey, this isn't a tea podcast or a family podcast or a beer podcast. This is a gaming podcast. So, thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter or check out the awesome stuff posted over on Instagram at BoardWithVG. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoardWithVG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. 
you can send us an email, boardwithvg at gmail.com. And you can use that hashtag boardwithvg on all the social medias so we can, you know, kind of keep track of what you're doing. See what see what you are participating in, whether it be gaming or non-gaming related. Just remember, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That's whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed or the standalone Board with Video Games feed. We'd love for you to drop us an awesome rating there. And yes, PSVG has launched a Patreon, and we're thrilled with the support you've given us thus far. You can find that over at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like some of our wonderful producers have. Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Devin Tyus, Kevin Austin, Chris M., Joel Voss, Professor Switch himself, and Bosa. Thank you so much for your support there. We greatly appreciate it. And as a result of all of that support over on Patreon, we are having our first ever community game night this Friday, December 21st from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Central Time. We're going to be playing some Overwatch on PS4. Just send me a PSN message saying you want to join. I will invite you. And, you know, it's Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Hit me up and we will play some Overwatch together. As we've mentioned before, if you have ideas of what you'd like to see us do for future community gaming nights, let us know. We're exploring some ideas that are going to be a little more board game or RPG focused to kind of differentiate ourselves a bit from the other PSVG podcast, but we wanted to make sure we did something with you this month. Henceforth, a little Overwatch this Friday. So enough of this housekeeping, Josh. Why don't you say we talk about some of the hot news in the board game world? I think that's a great idea. So let's jump right into the hot topic, something that was revealed at PAX Unplugged a couple weeks ago. Uh, we talked about the new Metal Gear Solid board game. And as uh, Kyle would say, a boatload of new information has been revealed by IDW Games. It's fully cooperative, wonderful players. It's a miniatures game, so let's pump the brakes. Uh, sandbox gameplay, uh, variable player powers, dynamic AI. Uh, the game will be fully playable uh, by appointment by media at E3 2019, and then the public can play it at Origins, which runs almost simultaneously. I think that's also by appointment. Um, so with the new information, Kyle, how do we feel about the Metal Gear Solid board game? And is that 200, 2,000 page book real or is that a joke? That's a joke. Okay. <laughs> that, web, that website is, they, they are kind of like the onion for video games, for gaming. They've tricked me twice. <laughs> <laughs> though, here's the thing, though. You know, if you haven't seen, I can't remember the name of the website off my head, top of my head, but they do have the little article talking about there's a 2,000 page, you know, story basically, or or parts to be read while you're playing the Metal Gear Solid board game. The funny thing is, is when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's probably a joke. I didn't say it definitely was. Totally I said possible. It, I said it probably. <laughs> so part of me was like, I could see that. I could totally see that being a thing. So now that they've started to release some data or data, some information about this game, I am a little more interested in it than I was before. I've never been a huge, huge Metal Gear Solid fan as far as the ga video games go. It's kind of a little bit of a gaming blind spot for me. I've played them, uh, a few of them, and I'm sure like most people, I have no idea what's going on in the story ever. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening in the game. But they're saying a lot of things that I'm really that really make me interested in this game. The fact that it's fully cooperative, the fact that you can play it solo or with others, the fact that the there's different characters represented and those different characters are going to have different um, skill sets and abilities that they're going to be able to use. Um, they say something about how there's going to be missions that can be completed in multiple ways and that there's going to be like numerous objectives a 
across like different campaign scenarios. So this is really sounding like a very interesting, you know, take on this game. It doesn't seem like it's a, and not that I thought they were necessarily trying to do a quick crash cash grab or anything like that. I wasn't trying to, I didn't think that they were, you know, not putting a ton of work into this, but it seems like there is a, a kind of a next level of, of care concern of hand craftsmanship going into this to really make it truly feel like it's going to be a metal gear game. So right now, you know, the game got announced. It seemed pretty exciting. It seemed pretty cool. But at this point, they're starting to say all the things that are making me far more interested than I was mm-hmm. when the game was just announced. How are you feeling about it? So, I mean, the box art is perfect. It's incredible. I love the art from Metal Gear. Um, so that obviously, when you're looking at box art, that's something that grabs people's attention. I think it'll grab anyone's attention, whether they're a fan of the game or not. Um, I'm like optimistic and skeptical at the same time. So like, so Emerson Matsuchi, like I'm a big fan of his, uh, he says, you know, Metal Gear changed his life. He's a big fan. But then he said, um, the story he told was so memorable uh, and I'm like, well, if any, nobody understands the story of Metal Gear. <laughs> so maybe he's like super smart <laughs> and he knows like something that there's very like this, the Metal Gear story is so convoluted that it, that part worries me if he's taking, trying to take in that story aspect into a board game. I don't know that the two necessarily mix. I'm a little worried about the stealth aspect to the game, but I think that only comes from the worry that I haven't really played up a stealth board game per se. Like maybe you could consider Escape from Aliens in Outer Space um, stealth, but I just don't consider it that um, from my experience. That being said, um, I mean, I really want to play Spectre Ops to kind of get a better idea of his because I've only played Reef and the Century games, mm-hmm. so those games don't really match up with Metal Gear. So I can't really, you know, go based off of that. Like those games, to me, the designer wouldn't really make a good Metal Gear game based off of those games. So I know you said before that Spectre Ops was like considered like very similar style to what you would think a Metal Gear game would be. Yeah, I think so, there's a lot of elements that you could definitely draw and pull over to this for sure. Yeah, so I'd like to check that out. Um, I got plenty of time um, before this game is even like vi- like visible to us. So uh, maybe I'll try to do that and see if I can find someone who has it or pick it up cheap on a sale or something. So it talks about dynamic AI. What does that mean to you for a board game? Like, What do you think they mean by that? So I think a lot of the new games... Um, like the Stonemaier games have Automata um, or Automata, uh, which I, uh, people aren't over the moon about the way mm-hmm. Automata, Automata, Automata is used in board games because you're still like playing for the automated character. So you're still right. doing a lot unless they use an app. Okay. So mm-hmm. I could see an app being used that would maybe make the game more uh, like how they did uh, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, where you don't need a, a GM anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they did it in that way, I think that would be great. But if if they're just giving you a book that's an automata book, um, I don't know that I would be a fan of that, but I don't know. What do you think? What do you think it means? Yeah, I've been trying to figure out exactly what that means, and I'm wondering if it is, you know, if X, then Y. Like, if as a player, if you do this thing, then, you know, that leads to a more reasonable i guess to say response from the ai since it's a fully cooperative game 
you know, I, I it could be like line of sight. Um, yeah. Technology, like not technology, like the way that X wing moves where you have to use that um, stick to do view like line of sight or like, yes. if you like, I think a metal gear, like the guards, and every Metal Gear game on the radar have a vision cone. cone. Yeah. So maybe it's going to use that. I'm not a fan of that in board games, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, it turned me off of X-Wing and um, games like that where you have to either find something that doesn't come with the game or use this like, long, clear plastic thing to figure out line of sight or distance, that like in miniature games. Uh, right. So um, that would turn me off. You don't like needing a tape measure to play your games? No, no, I don't. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm just really interested. I think this is some, I think, you know, for the most part, I think they're saying a lot of the right things right now. I'm just very mm-hmm. interested in, you know, this AI system and how it's going to work. I'm also really interested in the sandbox gameplay and the, the multiple paths to victory. It seems like you can take and i'm wondering if those are because the different characters have different powers if there are some that are just going to be more geared towards oh if you are playing as you know gray fox or meryl or something like that that you know Mm. these things are going to be a better route for you to victory than if you're playing as solid snake then this is going to be a better route for you to victory and i'm wondering if it if those became almost necessity in order to support the variable player powers you know what i'm saying yeah so i'm very interested to see how all of this comes together because they're saying a lot of cool things you know the sandbox gameplay which i think is cool and we're starting to see more games uh, that are starting to get into that sandbox just kind of do whatever you want to a degree in the space and board games that's definitely becoming more popular trying again to reflect what we see in, in video games a lot so um what are you okay obviously they talked about you know they're going to be showing it at E3 to press mm. and then Origins, which starts like the day after E3 starts, you know, people, you know, the public will be able to play it. What do you what are you hoping to hear? Like, what are the questions you want answered in order for you to decide? Yes, this is a pickup or no, this isn't a pickup for me. Um, <clears throat> well, it ties into a question I was going to ask you. So let's just let me do that now. But let's guess. A, let's guess a price point right now. Ooh. Now, I'll, before you guess, I, I want to say. IDW did the Ninja Turtles games mm-hmm. and Out of the Shadows. And when they did the second one, they did a special edition that cost like $160 mm-hmm. with like a pizza cover and like some extra miniatures mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but I think right now, if you go to like thinkgeek.com, you can buy the Ninja Turtles 2 game. I think it's like 90 bucks. You can get it on sale for like 50 on like a big sale. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it still retails at ninety. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say I feel like this is going to be I'm trying because I'm trying to think of if how many miniatures there are going to be outside of probably the four. You're gonna need a lot of bad guys. Yeah, but I'm wondering if those are actually going to be miniatures or not. Right. Um. So that's kind of one of the things that I'm wondering about. I'm gonna go and say. Oh man, this is probably going to be round. I'm going to be hopeful, and I'm going to say that this game is fifty nine ninety nine. I'm uh, going to say that they are also considering, um, you know, that this is going to be something geared towards the video game group, the video game player, and the video game player is used to spending sixty dollars on a game. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're going to shoot for that price, and I think most of their games 
I think like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and maybe like, oh gosh, maybe like Ray Guns and Rocket Ships or something like that are probably the only games that are above that price for them. I think they probably have a few more that are in that $60 range. But yeah. in general, I don't think most of their games are super expensive. Okay. I'm so that's what I'm saying. Right. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm going with. I'm going to guess that it's going to be $79.99. Okay. Um, and the reason why I say that is because it's like a niche game, like, you're not going to get someone coming off the street necessarily who hasn't heard of Metal Gear to, to buy it. Uh, it's possible that they will. Um, but I think that they know that. Like, they know the video game audience is going to want to buy this game. So they're going to make less of them and charge more money, is what I think. I'm not in at $80. I don't want it to be 80 I want it to be $59. Um, but, like, they made Godfather... Um, they make the Escape 100 million BC game. Um, they made the Dragon Ball Z games, but even the even the Batman the animated series game is fifty dollars, and it's not a very big game. That's true. That's true. I mean, so, yeah, I, I'm probably being a little too wishful in my thinking. I guess probably. I just that seems like a good price to me, and maybe it'll have to be more. And I'm sure Metal Gear fans will probably pay more. So, so like, yeah, their Planet of the Apes game is sixty bucks, and. I wouldn't say I've heard great things. I wouldn't say I've heard terrible things. So I think it's in, in between. I think you're, I mean, the price you guess is like a great price. Like, nin, yeah, it's 90 bucks for the Ninja Turtles Shadows of the Past game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 74 for rocket ships and ray guns or whatever okay. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I think we're right around. So we're looking at like 60 to 80 bucks. Do you think so? Do you think like me is price? Is that price something that's going to keep you away from the game? Would you? Would that be something that you'd be like? Is there a price that's too high for you? That price is too high for me. I'm just not a big. I'm just not a big enough Metal Gear fan to to pay that price on it. I mean, if the reviews came out Mm -hmm. and said, "Hey, this is a great stealth game or hidden movement game," which because I enjoy those styles of games, if they came out, the reviews came out and said it's a great hidden movement game. That even if you're not a Metal Gear fan, you can still enjoy. It just is like there's going to be some nods to you and some pluses to knowing Metal Gear well. Then I might mm. be in. Maybe not at 60, but I might be in. But if they're like, hey, this is like an ode to the Metal Gear fan. And like the better you know the series, the more enjoyable the game's going to be. You know, it's going to have to get be a pretty solid sale for me to jump into that. And again, not that it could be a phenomenal game. Yeah. Just I'm not a huge Metal Gear person. Which is which I think answers some questions we've tackled over this years. The theme is not as important or is is more important than the designer in this specific case. Because even for me, as much as I like him, mm-hmm. um, if it wasn't Metal Gear, I don't know that I'd buy it. Uh, uh, you know, just because I like Emerson's games, um, and we've definitely had that question before. I don't necessarily remember how we've answered it, but. <clears throat> and at least in this situation, like if it was a Dragon Ball Z game that Emerson was making, I wouldn't just get it because Emerson's making it. Right. And you're like on the situation where do you think if it was a Metal Gear game and it was by one of like one of your favorite designers, would you cons- I mean, prob- consider it more? And you'd be just like, I'm not a Metal Gear fan. I would consider it more. And I think right. because of Emerson's through design background, I am considering this more than I would otherwise. Okay, so if I guess an Eric Lane game, you might be like, eh. 
I'm not not an Eric Lane guy, <laughs> but like because of Emerson, because it's Emerson, you know, if it was John Gilmore, you oh. know, or somebody like that, then I would definitely be like, oh, I am more interested in this because I have enjoyed his past games. And I think it's kind of an odd thing sometimes to because, you know, I always talk about how I enjoy theme and theme is important to me. I think yeah. it's kind of odd for me to be like, oh, here's an IP that they're using. But because I don't feel totally bought into the IP, even if the theme really works, I'm like, yeah. meh. That seems kind of backwards. I feel like I should be, oh, this is a game that has the potential to be drenched in theme and fit, you know, like that world and really dive into it. And because I don't know a ton about it, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do that. Yet most board game themes, I don't know a ton about other than like there's ninjas in this one or there's zombies in this one. (laughs) You know, so that's kind of odd, I guess, when I think about and I'm critical of myself. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think because, like I said, the designer pedigree is going to matter. It'll make me more interested in a game I would not otherwise have been interested in. For sure. Okay. Well, after my epic uh, side trackery and derailment. So you asked me (laughs) what else would I need to see? So the price is a big thing for me. And then I I just really want to see what the game looks like. I don't even need to know if it's a game that they don't want to like have spoiler spoiled stuff like if it is metal gear then it's it should follow a story so just show me components um and give me like an overview of a turn action or something like that i don't need to know the whole game in that situation for me at least what about you do you need to see a lot a little i mean for me it's really going to come down to the mechanisms and how does the game play because like i said i you know, as long as the mechanisms in the game fit the theme of the game, how much story there is or isn't is kind of going to be irrelevant to me to a degree. I think if there's, unless I can make sense of Metal Gear for me, like maybe that'll be the reason that you get it is that Metal Gear will finally make sense to me. But, you know, when you look at things like, when you look at a game like Stuff Fables, right? I really enjoy the story in Stuff Fables and I really enjoy the mechanics in Stuff Fables. However, if stuff fables mechanics were still really good if the story wasn't great i'd be okay with it but if the mechanics were bad no matter how good the story was in stuff fables i'm probably not going to continue playing that game so i kind of feel the same about this right like if they're both good great if the mechanics are good and the story's meh that's probably going to be fine because i'm playing a board game but if the story's really good and the mechanics are bad yeah i'm probably not going to be very interested so for me i want to see what people's impressions are of playing it i want to know both from Metal Gear and non-Metal Gear fans, did they enjoy playing the game? What are the mechanisms like? Absolutely. I 100% agree. Cool, cool. All right, let's move to the second and last board game story. Well, it's a topic. It is, of course, that time of the year that everyone is making lists. um, And I didn't even know that Popular Mechanics did a board game list, but they do. Uh, They just released their list of the 50 best new board games. And their consideration for new, which I think falls in line with our uh, conversations we've had recently, uh, would be games released in the last three years. So when we look at this list, uh, you guys can find it on their website um, under their culture section. How do we think they did? So I'm going to say it's a pretty solid list, except there's one weird standout game for me did you see it what weird standout game is that i'm gonna scroll through um let me get on the list for people i won't do 50 i'll just start from the top so and i don't know that they did them in order it wasn't like one through 50 no i think it's just like yeah so stop me when you think i've reached the game oh gosh okay we have root dinosaur island hardback rising sun sagrada secret hitler that's where i think you think it's weird no 
Okay. That isn't actually. Gloomhaven, okay. Everdell, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Spirit Island, Scythe, Feudum, okay, Human, is that Punishment, the one Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0. Is that the one you're thinking is weird? <laughs> yeah. That's, what the heck game is that? And I, and Human I, Punishment <laughs> Social Deduction 2.0 in the 50 best games in the past three years? <laughs> what? <laughs> so let me describe it to you. <laughs> Like a second cousin to the Resistance or Secret Hitler, here's a 4-16 to 16 player party game of secret teams, bluffing, deduction, and deception. At the beginning of each game, you're dealt a character card and two secret ID cards that combine to place you on one of three teams. There's the humans, who are trying to kill all non-humans. Sounds There's right. the selfish outlaws, each of whom are trying to be the last alive, and the machines. Who are trying to kill all humans? Well, except for outlaws. They're not concerned with them. Who are over outlaws? <laughs> so, really, really quick. So, are the outlaws not? Are the outlaws human or not? They are human. But it says the humans are trying to kill all non-humans. So are the humans just trying to kill the machines and not the outlaws? Right. I don't know. I guess, yeah. Okay. And the machines are trying to kill the humans. Humans are trying to kill the machines. And the outlaws are just trying to be the last alive. So it's basically the the similar to the typical triangle of like rock beats paper. Yeah. Rock beats scissors. Scissors beats paper. Paper beats rock. It's, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just... I don't know. The game moves clockwise with each turn and option two, investigate one of someone's two ID cards, draw a special action program card, or pick up one of several guns on the table and aim it. <laughs> if you start your turn with a gun in hand, you have to either fire it off, switch your target, or drop it. As folks discuss who they are and fire weapons, which usually allows you to flip cards in lieu of dying or taking damage, a clearer picture of the battlefield starts to coalesce. Unfortunately, the game is hard to come by. <laughs> Luckily, the maker, Godot Games, is planning an expansion. I have every other game, every other 49 other games in the list, I have heard of, at least. <laughs> and I don't know. They don't have a price for it. You can pre-order it, I guess. So... Um, it is the Kickstarter gen- starting 29th of January 2019 with Human, Pun- Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0 plus Project Hellgate Expansion. So you'll get both of those things. But when I look at Board Game Geek, it's got an 8.1 rating. Really? Yeah. And apparently people really seem to dig this game. That's here. crazy to me. I mean, it's not crazy. It's crazy to me that we haven't heard of heard of the game, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of it either at all. So, yeah, I mean, okay, just looking at the ratings and stuff on Board Game Geek, like Epic Game, what a marvelously devious game. This game is chaos in the best kind of way. Awesome, a fantastic social deduction game. Wow. Yeah, I mean, apparently people like it. Well, there you go. That is a game. (laughs) The best social deduction game I've ever played thus far. So there you go. All right. That is an interesting, yeah, that was one I had honestly just glossed over because I was like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> um, but I'll have to check out that Kickstarter. But as you were saying, this is a really interesting list, right? Because maybe yeah. Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0 aside, this is a really good list of games. It is a good list of games, but it's because they also include, uh, there's a bunch of games on here that I wouldn't say are necessarily in, like uh, Space Team is on here, mm-hmm. which... Um, if you play the app on your phones, it's an incredibly funny 
fun, challenging game. It's like the original keep talking or no one explodes game. Okay. It's like yep. you're, you're giving orders to players to try to stop your ship from exploding in space. So they made a board game out of it. Um, but it was like the first PAX East I went to, this was the uh, Omegathon game at the end. It was some crazy watching people play it. Um, they have games like Nemo's War, Second Edition, but even Clank and Five Tribes and Camel Opera on here. Um, Dead of Winter, Dice Forge, and of course, one of my favorites, Century Golem Edition. So they right. have a solid, solid list, which I think is a good change to seeing like IGN and Kotaku put out these lists of top board games. I like getting my game informer and it has like the top 10 board games. Like it's fine that they're doing that, but you can tell like the games that that some of the people are picking are just basically like, let's go to Board Game Geek and look at the top 10 games. I mean, okay, I'm going to defend Game Informer for a minute because I'm Matt not Miller... picking on them specifically. <laughs> yeah, because Matt Miller, who does their stuff, he also does like a every other week uh, board gaming like article on their website, and he's on their podcast on occasion. He he definitely knows his board game stuff for sure. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm not I'm not tr- specifically picking on them, but I'm like Quantum is on here um, now. Boarding Cult Express, like they have this is a good solid list. Even Thunderstone Quest and City of Kings make it on here. So I I was really surprised when I was looking for the through this because I really thought it was going to be um, a lot of kind of like what you said. Not 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 that the list that you'll see like on like the IGNs and the Game Spots are surface level or like those very like super popular like super trendy like board games of the year like the ones that everyone is talking about mm-hmm. but when i was going through this list like you said and they have like anachrony on here and ethnos mm-hmm. and i mean clans of Caldonia and shards of infinity like they are really they did a really good job whoever put this list together if it was a team of people or one person or however they did it they did a really good job of getting a wide variety of games that are all really quality but also good for different reasons like there's not like there are some lighter games on here. There are some really heavy games on here. There are deck builders. There are heavy euros. There are just about social deduction games. There's like just about everything and every style of game is represented. Almost every weight of game is represented. Like this is a really impressive list. Like this is, I think, such a good list that if you were, if you had somebody, I don't think if they were just starting out, but if you had someone who's like, man, I have started a board game collection. I have gotten a few games. I'm really into it. What are just, just a list of other quality games I should look at? I think this is a great list to give people. Yeah, we're going to have to tweet at this guy, William Herkowitz. He's a science and technology journalist based in Berlin, Germany. He writes about theoretical physics, AI, astronomy, board games, brewing, and everything in between. Oh my gosh, he sounds like I want to be best friends with him. <laughs> we're going to have to tweet at him on our on board of the video games account and just tell him how much... We enjoy his list. Yes, because that that list is so good. So yeah, definitely recommend go to Popular Mechanics, check out in their culture section the best new board games of the year, which is a little bit of a, a yeah. The only reason I knew that they were covering more years is because I read other articles talking about this article, okay, and then obviously as you're scrolling through, you're like, this game didn't come out this year. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, well, uh, well. If you guys are listening, we'll we'll uh, link this. Uh, and tweet so you guys can check it out and, uh, without having to do much yes, legwork. Absolutely, because it is excellent. Alright, well let's keep this train uh, moving. Speaking of trains, early 2019 mm. is shaping up to be a bang-up year at the start with video games and recently it was announced that Metro Exodus, do you get the train part there? I get it. 
Okay, you didn't you didn't appreciate <laughs> it, but you got it. Has gone gold. Oh yes, Metro Exodus. It's done. They're not doing any other work on it. They all are doing nothing else to work on this game anymore. Uh, but along with the announcement, developer 4A Games and publisher Deep Silver has announced that the game would be releasing a week early on February 15th, as opposed to the original February 22nd date. Now, notably, Bioware's next project, Anthem, is slated for February 22nd, so avoiding it may be wise. But February 15th is already packed. Crackdown 3, Far Cry New Dawn, Dead or Alive 6, and Jump Force are all already slated for February 15th. So, number one, I never said we're transitioning to video game news, but hey, we're talking about video game news. Number two, Josh, is Anthem yeah. that scary versus this other cavalcade of games that you would rather come out February 15th against Crackdown 3, Far Cry New Dawn, Dawn Dead or Alive 6, and Jump Force versus coming out February 22nd against Anthem? Well, Anthem has the potential to be that big. Uh, you know, Far Cry New Dawn is a fairly new addition to this list. I don't think anyone's worried about Crackdown 3 right now, to be 100% honest with you, uh, at least competition-wise. Um, you know, Dead or Alive 6 and Jump Force, they're both fighting games. So, Which is a bit interesting. Those two are coming out the same day. Yeah, but I want to say there's diff- they're different audiences, but they're not. They're the same audience. <laughs> the same people who are into Jump Force are into the physics of Dead or Alive 6. So... <laughs> Uh, it's the same audience. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a smarter move for them. I don't know what's a week before February 15th and maybe not, why not come out that week, but they might not be ready to come out that week. Um, that being said, everything's leading up to, um, they're going to have an announcement on Christmas day, um, regarding Metro. So maybe we're going to see a demo, which would be interesting to see uh, when people are getting gift cards and what they're going to spend their money on. So maybe this is a smart move for them to drop something big on Christmas Day so you get your, you know, hey, pre-order, play the demo, or pre-order, you know, Metro now. Everyone has their gift cards in their pockets. That could be a pretty big marketing move for them um, if that's what they do. But I wouldn't want to go up against Anthem right now, uh, even though we really don't, like, we have an idea of what we're getting. Are we getting There's- Anthem? We're getting Anthem, right? We're getting Anthem. Um, okay. You know, and I say that having been burned once before or twice before. So I guess third time is... Third time is a charm. <laughs> I think if if Anthem is a bummer, is a flop, I think I can't... I got to take a break from EA and Bioware for a little bit. I mean, um, it's not going to be though, right? It, it really shouldn't be, but it could be. I've watched I, some of those dev streams. It, it looks really cool. You know, I haven't watched. I have to watch one of the dev streams. I have to watch the latest one um, just to kind of see what's going on. But they had a tweet today that was a little problematic for me talking about six-player friend. The, their tweet about we wanted to make it so you didn't have to find six random people to drop in. Like a really weird dig at Destiny. Oh, they talked about how they didn't want you to have to have five other friends in order to play their content. Yeah, which is a really weird dig at Destiny. Um, I don't know that they want to be attacking the Destiny crowd because that's who's going to be buying their game. Uh, so we'll see what happens with when they decide to um, reveal their um, endgame content and if they do something like raids and stuff like that, which a lot of people will be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, regardless of their structure, 
you either have five other friends that can play a Destiny Raid with you, or you don't. It's not the lack of finding those people. It's that you either have them or you don't have them. And a lot of people who don't play Destiny is because they know that they're solo game players or they have, you know, or they can't coordinate because Devin's in the West Coast and I can't stay up till 6 a.m. to play a Destiny raid. Right. So, I mean, I don't think Anthem's going to change that for me. I would be less, I'm still less motivated to play a, a six hour raid with five strangers in Anthem or in Destiny, no matter how easy they make it for me to connect with those people. <laughs> right. Because it's still five strangers. Um, but we're not talking about Anthem necessarily. We're talking about Metro, right? <laughs> we are talking about Metro. Yes, we are. But we don't know a whole lot about Metro either. Uh, I would say we know more about Anthem than Metro. So, I mean, they need... Besides a launch date, they need to give us more info about the game. We haven't really seen any gameplay of Metro. Have you played the other Metro games? No. Uh, well, yes. I have played the originals. I haven't played the remasters. Okay. It's more of... Have you? I have dabbled in them. I own them. I got them. I feel feel like at this point, pretty much everyone owns them. But I don't think think most people have played them. (laughs) Because they've been so cheap. Yeah, and they were free on Games of Gold. Right. And maybe even PS Plus. I think, yeah. I mean, I think everyone probably owns these games at this point in some form, even if they don't remember that they do. And I think I started one and then I got distracted by something else. It's like a slow plotting FPS. It's not mm-hmm. very fast. Um, I'm trying to compare it to another. It's, it's like the speed of Fallout, but with like the shooter aspect of maybe like, not a Destiny, but. Um, maybe Destiny is the closest thing I can compare it to. Speed of Fallout with the action of Destiny. <laughs> it's just, it's slow. It wasn't for me. Um, it was just something I needed and my shooters to be a little bit faster, I think. Mm-hmm. So if you were making the decisions, what mm. do you think is the better release date? If you had to pick between the 15th and the 22nd, which would you pick to release Metro on if this was your decision? They picked the right date, I think. 15th is 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 more of a far cry will be their biggest competition on that day. Gotcha. And according to the very quick look that I found, it looks like February 8th, uh, God eater three and monster energy, Supercross two. Are yeah. They should have went with February. 8th. <laughs> so that's what it looks like that is coming out those days. But I, like I said, that was just a very quick look. That might not be a hundred percent accurate. So yeah. I am interested. I know that, like you said, they have been teasing some more information to come. What do you think the chances are? And now I think this, because Crackdown 3 is releasing the 15th. I don't think there's a high chance of this, but there's been a lot of talk of, or in things I've listened to, there's been talks of like Xbox Game Pass getting to a point of critical mass, if you would, where they get enough good or big Xbox games in the service that eventually the subscriber base is going to become big enough that they're going to be able to woo a triple a triple A third-party developer to release their game on Game Pass. Uh-huh. Do you think Metro would be a good fit for that? Yeah, it would be perfect for them. <clears throat> and I think we've already seen, obviously, no AAA, but we got Onrush mm-hmm. on Game Pass. We've already had a couple games on day one come to Game Pass. Right. Um, Never, nothing huge, obviously, no. Right, nothing big, but even like um, $30, $40 games that are selling on the PlayStation Network at the same time. Right. Uh, and, and the Microsoft Store, uh, respectively, like... Um, games that you would have to pay money for that people are legit like super mega baseball too like i know people were excited for that mm-hmm. and it was 
you know, Game Pass free yep. day one. So I think uh, Metro would be a great example. Uh, if, you know, I don't know what their relationship is um, with Deep Silver, but like, they, they, I mean, they revealed the game on the Xbox stage on E3. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be huge. I mean, if, my, if Microsoft wants to make Game Pass um, be a platform like that, they need to do it sooner than later because eventually when they announce a new Xbox, they're going to have to restructure games uh, Game Pass. So if you're going to try to get people on it, you want to do that now. Oh, I could have done that article. That would have been a good news article. But we'll let the Empire <laughs> handle the the rumors about the next Xbox console. So. Yeah. All right. And hey, to wrap up our news stories for the week, while we don't talk about mobile gaming very often on board with video games, outside of board game apps, the end of an era has happened recently when Epic very unexpectedly pulled the Infinity Blade games from the iOS store. Epic said that they would have dif- it would be too difficult for them to support Infinity Blade going forward with all their other projects they have going on. They didn't really they never mentioned Fortnite, but I mean, we all know they mean Fortnite. But that we may see Infinity Blade show up in other places, which we promptly did in Fortnite the same day there was a new sword called the Infinity Blade and it was super overpowered and it ruined their $1 million tournament because people were just <laughs> getting owned by that thing in really unfortunate ways. But that's really not here nor there. Uh, hey, Josh, did you ever play in any of the Infinity Blade games? Will you miss it? What did you think of them? I played them. Um, it, if there's one thing you can say about Infinity Blade, uh, you can say that they were groundbreaking mobile games. Every mm-hmm. one. One, two, and three. Yeah. They did something every time they did something different, but I think like the first Infinity Blade, you never saw a mobile game like that when it came out, and it was beautiful. And every one subs- subsequently has been beautiful, more beautiful than the last, um, and on par with the best in the mobile. This was I, not only do I think this obviously this is very surprising. I don't understand the mentality. Uh, okay, so Fortnite has arguably one of the biggest audiences in gaming you're gonna cancel the you can you're removing the game the day you're introducing it to millions of new players right where someone might be like oh what's the infinity blade and then fortnite pops up an ad that goes download infinity blade now for 2.99 for one or five or 6.99 for all three what the heck are they thinking (laughs) that does seem like good marketing it's free money what are they doing uh i don't understand that business decision Never mind the fact that they are shutting down a, a, a beloved series. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't play these games to completion. Uh, I enjoyed them for what they were. They got my money when the games came out. Um, but when it comes down to it, I'm not a mobile game player for the most part. I have like my two games I play consistently, and I try games like everyone else does. Um, but there's a huge audience for iOS games. Um, we have some people in our Discord that are. We have a mobile gaming channel in our Discord. People are very passionate. Uh, it just, I, it seems stupid that they did this, I guess. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I only <laughs> ever played the first one, but I really enjoyed it. And it's probably one of the few mobile games I've ever played or put significant time into. Hmm. I, I put a lot of hours into that game. And yeah, you know, I never really thought about getting the second or third one. And to be honest, I kind of had moved away from iPhone and was doing Droid for a long time and actually just recently came back to iPhone. But yeah, it's kind of I'm kind of bummed, right? It seems like that was one of the few mobile games that I have any memories of playing and enjoying. And, yeah. you know, that is, doesn't mean that there aren't a ton of great mobile games out there. I just don't 
play on that platform. That's just not my cup of tea. Right. So it is interesting. I think I think like you said, it is odd because it seems like what you said seems like brilliant marketing. Right. You know, it just seems like a really good way. And I guess I didn't realize that they were still doing a lot of support for like the first two games outside of updates to ensure that it was compatible with the new OS. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, uh, I don't know anything about infrastructure right. in iOS no. games, but it's like, okay, Kyle, you've never seen Blade Runner. Well, Blade Runner 2049 is in theaters, uh, but you can't see the original. Sorry. Right. It's not made anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I guess I just do it. I just won't see the new one, I guess. I don't. Right. Yeah. It just, uh, it just seems like a throwing away money. Right. So foolish. Well, and this is where, you know, and obviously if you've already purchased the game, you can still download it or redownload it for now. Right. For now. For now. You know, who knows if that will go in the future, <laughs> but for now you can. But, you know, when people start getting into the talking about, game preservation and ROMs and emulators and everything else. My probably biased gut reaction is that people are talking about emulators and ROMs because they're like, oh, it's about game preservation. I'm like, no, you want to play the game for free. That's really what it is. You say it's for preservation, but you really just want to play the game for free. Right. But fine, whatever. But there are situations like this then where it's like, well, Right. You know, how, how, even if the reason, the underlying reason is like, well, I really want to play the game for free, but the side effect is this game is preserved. Is that worthwhile then? Especially like, in a situation now where you can't get those games anymore. Yeah. Like PT, like people right. won't touch their PlayStations. I still have it. And not because they're afraid of never being able to play this game again. Yep. I actually made sure I, I bought my, when I got my pro, I got that did my system transfer, and then went and got rid of my original PlayStation 4 because I was like, I want to make sure I still have PT, which is, oddly enough, I've never played, still haven't played it. <laughs> but Maybe you want, that's the thing, right? But you want to be able to have the ability to do it. Yes, it's, absolutely. It doesn't feel right when people make it it's so it's impossible to own something that you right. have had in your possession, right. which is going to be a huge problem like eight years when all of a sudden... <laughs> Everything is streaming. Shop, start shutting down. Yeah, and, and everything is streaming services. Play games that you own anymore because it's not supported. Right. <laughs> Microsoft starts pu- pulling games off of Game Pass. You're like, but I have no other options. That's all yeah, I can do. They're gonna have to. So, <laughs> I know. That's okay. They'll just convince you know Netflix to spend a hundred million dollars to keep friends for one more year. <laughs> oh boy, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, that's enough of gaming news. Let's jump into our topic of the show. Last week, we did a general look back at how we'll remember 2018 overall. This week, we're going to focus a bit more on our board game time. So we're just going to talk about some of our favorite games we played this year. Important caveat with board games. These might have come out a year or two or three ago that we just played them for the first time in 2018 and that we really enjoyed our time with them or just other memories, things that we um, we really liked from 2018 in regards to board games. So to give Josh a second to think, I am going to go ahead and share what is for me my favorite game. I'm starting off big. This is my favorite <laughs> game I played this year that I had never played previously. This game probably is a, is easily for sure in my top 10 games of all time, probably my top five games of all time. And the more I play it and as more expansions come out for it, it might continue to grow. And that game is Everdell. And this game, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I think this game is absolutely amazing. And I think it does a really nice job of 
bringing together all the aspects of board games that I enjoy. Number one, there's cards. I love cards. Cards are great. The more cards I get to have, the happier board gamer I am. But the art in the game is beautiful. The theme fits with what's going on. The There is enough variety and different paths to victory as you're playing. You can still be planful, get potentially interrupted a little bit, or there's enough player interaction where you can throw some curveballs or, or try to make people, you know, disrupt what their plans are going to be a little bit, but it's not so bad that you are completely just out of it if you get messed with a little bit. That, yes, you might be able to, you might need to tweak some things or you might need to call an audible and do something different, but you still can. And I think that's one of the biggest things of, of trying to find that balance of, you know, anytime you're kind of building an engine in a game, and you get that engine going. If somebody throws a wrench in it, does that engine just explode? Or does maybe it kind of slow down for a little bit, but you're able to figure out a way to remove that engine or build a new, add a new part to that engine that then brings it up to a great production level. And I think Everdell does a great job of bringing all of these things together, again, with a wonderful art, with high quality components, and in a game that's pretty simple to teach, has a ton of depth, and the ex- expansion options in the future, I don't want to say are limitless, because obviously at some point you're probably going to hit, you know, you can only have so many cards. But there's a lot of opportunity for this game to continue to grow in the vein of a game like Dominion that just got so many expansions that really kind of added to the feel and the flavor of the game. Like, this game can really easily do that. So if there was one game, and this game did come out in 2018, um, it was a Kickstarter I think it's in stores for the most part now. Potentially, maybe it's still mm-hmm. a little hard to get, but it's a little expensive-ish. You know, it's pr- pushing the sixty to eighty dollar range. But really great game. It's the one game that I would definitely wholeheartedly recommend that came out this year. And like I said, a game that for me, um, easily top ten. The more I play, it could potentially creep into my top five games of all time. I am absolutely in love with Everdell. I adore this game. So that for me is probably the highest high point I have had of board gaming this year josh what's something that you've enjoyed this year thus far we almost played it last weekend why well, i wanted I, to wait for another person yeah and my bad like i i always hate building up games like that because like, i hate for you to go in and be like how is it this is like one of the best games ever it might just not be stylistically a game that works well for you and i think that's almost more true in board games sometimes than video games yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a good game. I think you'll notice yeah. whether you like it or not. I think you'll see that it's designed well, uh, but hopefully you enjoy it at least close to as much as I do, or even partially. If you enjoy it half as much as I do, you'll still. Yeah. Well, she was really excited to play it. We just, um, she was hesitant and I was like, why not? And she was like, oh, I think I might want to wait for when you get four players. And I was like, I'm, that's fine. We'll wait. Um, <clears throat> the first game I'm going to talk about, uh, is it my favorite game that I played this year? I don't know. Maybe. It's the first game uh, that I have taken to upgrading it, upgrading the components in the box right away. Um, and I think any game. I don't think I've upgraded any of my games, pieces, components, um, and that's Villainous, um, a game that really took me by surprise. Um, the theme, like right away, attracted me to the game, um, but I really just knew it was like, you play villains, and I love stuff like that. Um, I like movies where the bad guys win. I like stuff that's like abnormal. Um, so <clears throat> I would have got the game anyways, but the production quality, the price, the mechanics, everything about this game, um, I love. And since it's come out, a lot of people have been buying it, and it's been ga- garnering like this, like, 
love-hate relationship. Some people really just hate the mechanics of the game, uh, which is fine. Some of the villains are difficult to play, and if you're not used to games like that or weren't expecting um, the difficulty like level to be so high, I'm sure it's rated low on Board Game Geek, but it's still, I would consider it a higher difficulty than most people would uh, think of their experience in a Disney game. Um, but it's one of those games where if someone just said, uh, if someone's like, I want to play Villainous, I'd be like, yep, yeah, let's play it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't question it. I would just be all in. Um, and I can't, and I really hope we have some expansions, uh, lined up in 2019. I was going to ask, they haven't said anything. Cause obviously you could go on and fill out like the, Oh, here's what, you know, who I would like to have, but we, they have, there's been no word on expansions, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No word on expansions. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's a bummer. But I agree, that's an excellent pick. And it's something that didn't quite make my list because I didn't get to play it with other people enough. Um, as we know, we talked about me <laughs> fishballing the game. But um, <laughs> then learned with something different in your neck of the woods. But uh, yeah, so that's a great pick, though. Definitely something I want to get to the table more often. Uh, another game for me that I really enjoyed this year and something that I actually ended up playing far more than I thought I would uh, was Santorini. Mm. Now, this game I talked about early, early in the year. It came out, I think, in like 2016 or so is a, the year it came out. But this is a, kind of an abstract family game. Again, I think there's going to be kind of a theme for most of my games that they're pretty easy to teach, but a little maybe a little more challenging to master. But Santorini, very, very easy to teach, uh, something that you can easily play with the family. Um, it's a two to four player, like I said, abstract strategy game that has a really cool table presence. You're basically building... Um, with little plastic pieces, you are building towers, and your goal is to finish on top of a tower. And if, once you get a worker up there, you win. Uh, and there's obviously rules about building and movement and all that good stuff. But it's just very cool seeing all these pieces develop and grow on the board, the different strategies that you can use to play it, the fact that it plays you know two to four. And I think even with the two, you could probably, with kids pretty young, I think probably even six, eight years old, could play and understand this game. Uh, and cool table presence. And I think the, it's just a really quality, fun game. It was a game that, you know, when you see an abstract strategy game that's 20 minutes long, I, I don't think you're thinking this is going to be what a game I'm going to want to play a lot or a game that's regularly going to make it to the table. But Santorini, I don't know, it just kind of got me. That bug got in my ear about it. And I wanted to play it pretty regularly. It's a game I brought to work and played with people at work on lunch breaks and things like that. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy Santorini. I think it's an easy recommend, especially, you know, whether you're big into board games or just getting into it. I think it's an easy, good fit for both of those things. Uh, so I would definitely say Santorini, one of my best board gaming experiences this year. What would be next for you, good sir? I think next for me would be Grim Forest, <clears throat> which was a game I won from the Jen Kant Twitter um, contest. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, it was a game I was always interested in. I've always just kind of seen it in stores. Not always, but after it released. Uh, I'm I'm big on theme like that, like um, the grim fairy tale stories. Uh, I've always been like a big like, um, like Greek gods fan, stuff like that, like mythology. So it's always appealed to me. And if you give me a game with a theme like that, <clears throat> I've always enjoyed stuff like that. So... Um, getting into it, having the miniatures included, which are great quality. Um, just a huge fan of the gameplay and um, um, just the theming uh, alone. But it's 
when I look at a game with components that are that nice and uh, you interact with, uh, you know, you can have a game with components that are nice and you just look at them the whole game. It's a little bit different. But when in Grim Forest, you're actively um, engaged with the components and moving things around and <clears throat> interacting with the characters. Uh, it's just a really great game. And uh, I think it's, I still think it's um, not talked about enough. I don't think a lot of, I don't know what its footprint is on, on, on the gaming audience, but I don't know that I have talked to anyone else who's played it. And that's rare. Usually at least I see people online or on Twitter or something that are taking pictures or chatting about it or something. Um, so it's, I think it's a criminally underrated game. Gotcha. Yeah. I, it's a game I've, I know of because you've talked of it about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next for me is actually surprisingly, I guess another 2018 game actually. And that is um, from the good folks over at plaid hat games designed by Jerry Hawthorne stuffed fables, hmm. uh, the storybook adventure game. You know, I'm, I think pretty people know at this point that I, I really enjoy plaid hat. I enjoy a lot of what they do. You know, guardians was another great game that came out this year that I enjoyed my time with from them. And they dead of winter, obviously a game I talk about probably way more than people want me to, but, the crossroads mechanic in that game, I think, is one of like the coolest mechanics in the game that I, I just adore that mechanism. And, you know, Stuff Fables is a game that brought in another really, really cool thing. And it's not so much the mechanism, but just the idea of that storybook that is used as the game board. And I think that is so cool. And maybe that's part of the reason I like the game so much is just because I think that that idea is so innovative and such a neat way to have a game board that tells a story uh, but yeah, if that's all it is, they suckered me into it and it worked. Because <laughs> I adore that game. I think the characters are cool. I think the stories that are in it are well written. And I think though I don't have kids, I can relate to and understand like the story still makes sense to me, even as someone who doesn't have kids as to, oh, yeah, I can see how that would be a thing. Uh, I care about these characters in a weird kind of way. Like I want them to be successful. And I think it's just a cool world that they've created there. And I think it's one that when you hear about, you know, Mice and Mystics getting picked up as far as the movie rights for it, I could see where Stuff Fables could easily be made into an animated series of some sort. And that, right. you know, you could really take this world and make it something cool. And Jerry does such an awesome job of fleshing out and making just little details in his games make the world seem and it makes the world come to life and i think he does a great job of it um, i'm really interested in commonots which i'm wondering now if i'm pronouncing that game wrong because i realize that the person in it is in a coma it's, so it's commonots yeah. <clears throat> i don't know always, if it was an accent thing or not <laughs> yeah but i always say commonots and then i'm yeah. like probably should be commonots uh which so i'm really mm -hmm. interested you know that's going to be the new storybook game i'm very interested to see where that goes from it but yeah stuff fables you know if you're looking for a adventure game that's cooperative that has really good storytelling um that you could have some cool characters roll some dice and you know even kids probably seven eight years old could get into this so if you're looking for kind of an adventure to be able to play with your kids um or even if you don't have kids just adults i think stuff fables is an easy recommend mm, good recommendation What's next for you, sir? What's next for me is a late addition uh, to the year and to my <clears throat> list, uh, and that's Fireball Island, mm. um, a game that I was really bummed I had to bow out of the Kickstarter, and I didn't think I was going to be able to get it this year. Um, so that was a big surprise that we were able to get it. Um, it's just a game that really <clears throat> brings me back to a kid and playing 
playing board games before I knew how much of an effect it have on my life. Um, before I knew <clears throat> what board games like truly were, I'm like a game I'm really looking forward to bringing to Christmas dinner um, and having and play with my parents and play with my friends who haven't even heard of it or might might be like, didn't I play this like? 20 years ago, maybe you did. Um, it's just so perfectly simple. It's, it looks beautiful. It, it, it just, everything about it screams nostalgia to me. And, and I think we just like got out of a year or two years with like classic consoles and eight bit games. And, and you'd think that I'd be sick of all this stuff at that point, but we hadn't hit that in board games unless you're talking about Monopoly. So this was something as as un it's original and it's unoriginal at the same time as like unique as that is um it just really has me excited to introduce this to people again and i don't feel like this is a game um where people like people can just play this game they're not they don't need to be introduced to board games what board games are now like everyone's like you went to a board game convention oh what'd you play monopoly and scrabble like i don't have to sit there and explain Illimat or Scythe to somebody, I can explain to them Fireball Island and they'll be like, oh, I get it. Right. And then you could also explain to someone who's played Scythe, this is Fireball Island, and they're like, oh, cool, let's play it. I get it also. It's like that perfect medium. Mm -hmm. It's just expensive for someone who would buy it that isn't a board gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. So if there's one thing that, that it misses is that. Um, but yeah, that would be next on my list. Very cool. I have yet to get this to the table. I haven't even opened my box yet. But really quick question, and I, I hope to before the end of the year. Maybe when my in-laws and stuff are here, we'll play it. But have you figured out your marble situation? <laughs> Did you see my tweets with them? I the saw way? that you had tweeted <laughs> at them, and they were like, no, they're not. They're, yes, they're supposed to be round. They were all over the place. They were like, if you want to send it back, you can. But if you find they're working for you, keep using them. I'm like, but that's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> I didn't send them back. Um, I got the Kickstarter exclusive marbles that were around, so I can just use those. Oh, okay, perfect. Instead, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to send them back. So I'm not going to bug. I'm not, and I'm not going to pay shipping for new marbles. So I'm just going to keep with what I have. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Was well, was curious what had happened there. Yeah. So since you know you went back to an old game that you played not mm -hmm. for the first time, but for the first time in a while. I am also going to bring up a game that was actually originally released the year I was born, but I didn't. I know old, right? But I didn't actually play it until this year. And that is, well, maybe the very end of last year, but either way, mostly this year. And that is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, because I just remember when you first described it, you were like, I don't know that this is a board game. <laughs> I don't. I still to this day don't know that this is a board game, but I will say it is a good time. So. Sherlock Holmes, I think the thing I like about this game, and I know there are, oh man, there's another game that just recently came out that has an app with it. Oh goodness, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it kind of plays like, takes Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective to the next level. Because in Sherlock Holmes, it's cool because you're like, oh, I want to go investigate X thing. So you show up at X in the book and it just tells you like it gives you a thing to read. And that's your information. That's what you get. Um, there's a game that came out recently that you actually like get to pick the questions you ask. So it's like within an yeah. app. So it's an actually um, you pick like, oh, I want to go talk to this person. But then you also pick the questions that you ask that person. 
So it doesn't just give you like this, this rote, like this is the only potential information you could get. And then if you ask the wrong questions, you might not get the answers. You're listening. Like Chronicles of Crime. That might be what it was. It's Chronicles <laughs> of Crime. Yeah. But not here to talk about that game, but I really mentioned <laughs> that game now. I'm here to talk about the game that started that, and that's Sherlock Holmes. So I think one thing I like about this game is I'm really big on games that having a fun game group are important for it. Because I think, for the most part, when I get together with people to play games, I play games with really fun people. Similar to a game like Sheriff of Nottingham, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is more fun when you have fun people to play it with. It is a game that you could sit down by yourself and play. It is a game you could sit down with you and a significant other and play and have a good time. But when you get people spitballing theories and talking to each other and kind of rolling through and scribbling down notes and doing all of that is just something you're never really going to get in another gaming experience that it does that Sherlock Holmes delivers so well. And it does it in a way that really, if you've ever, even if you've just only ever watched like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies, you know, as like something very mainstream, you know, or if you've watched like the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock BBC show, it, if you've watched those or just seen a little bit of that and how they talk about and, and give the mystique of who Sherlock Holmes is, like you feel that as you're playing the game with how the small nuanced things become the most important things, but they do a really good job of giving you enough of them that it, what you focus on is probably going to be the wrong one because you're not as smart as Sherlock Holmes is. <laughs> So it's just a really great game. There's a ton of different cases. Yes, there is a downfall of that once you've played it, played a case. Really no reason for you to ever play it again because you know the answer at that point. Right. But I think it's a game that is super easy to teach. You can have if you have a fun group to play it with, you can go through the different cases. Once you're done with it, it's a really easy game to gift to other people or give to other people to give them an opportunity to play it and have a great time with it. So I just think if it's something where you're looking for maybe not so much moving pieces on a board, but you want to do an activity together, you want to have some fun with some people and you want to, you know, burn your brain a little bit. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a great way to do it. There's a number of expansions for it. So there's a a good number of cases that you can get for it these days. And it's not a super, super expensive game. So I think it's easily worth the price and the time. And I think it is a wonderful time, even if I'm not totally certain if it's a game. (laughs) What is next on your list, good sir? Uh, I mean, what's next on my list is a game that people are probably sick of hearing me talk about, and that's Century Golem Edition. <laughs> Have you talked about this before? I've never done <clears throat> Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a different podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the game. Um, the art is beautiful. The gameplay, the mechanics are awesome. Uh, it's easy to teach. It's easy to play. Uh Two-player game is quick. A five-player game is long, but it's still enjoyable. Uh, and definitely adds different strategies the more people you play. Um, <clears throat> it's another game. Like I went out, like we played, we played it once. Then I went online and bought the game mat because I knew this was a game that we would continuously play. Um, and actually, I've I've been feeling the need to play it again because we haven't played it in like a month. Um, and uh, that's just something that I know that like. Ashley and I could sit down and play a heavy game. And then if we look at the time and it's not too late, instead of trying to learn a new game, we can just say, can we just play a game of Century? And she always says yes. She likes it not as much as me, but she likes it a lot as well. So um, without rambling about it, if you haven't picked up Century Golem Edition yet and 
you've heard me talk about it as much as I do. It's probably not for you. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> now I have, I still haven't played Eastern Wonders, but I do own it. Um, and I'll probably always pick Gollum Edition over Spice Road, but I have Spice Road because I like Gollum Edition so much that I want the game it's based off of just to say I have it. <laughs> Perfect. So it's a collector's piece. <laughs> All right. Before I go, uh, before I move on, how many more games do you have that you want to talk about? Um, I'm going to do – I can do two more, but I have – we can just do one more if you want. Okay. We will do one more, and then we'll do a quick shout-out. How does yeah, that sound? Sounds good. Okay. So the last one I'm going to talk about then, just to t- switch things up a little bit stylistically uh, and do something completely different and that I often don't talk about, I want to talk about the game Flip Ships, which I talked about – quite a bit earlier in the podcast this year it is a dexterity game it is a in some ways kind of like a video game but you are basically flipping ships onto cards in order to eliminate them and eventually then you need to flip your ships into these last mother ship to defeat it <laughs> which i very valiantly failed at every single time i have ever played this game i am really really bad at it but uh, a flip ships again, a dexterity game from the folks over at Renegade. Just a really cool, interesting way that you are interacting with games that you don't get to very often. It, like I said, it very much feels like a video game in that you have these different ships that are coming down and they're working their way kind of down like you would in you know an old school arcade game. Mm-hmm. But flipping your ships onto them to try to take them out to try to protect you know the the city at the very bottom or the world in some ways. Um, and then you have this huge mothership at the very end that you're trying to take out. I just think it's one of those games that, for how simple and straightforward it is, a different style game that you're not going to hear about too much because we don't talk a ton about dexterity games and not a lot of podcasts do talk a lot about dexterity games. It's one that I had a really a good time with. Again, something that you know can be played by yourself. It is a one to four player game. I think the more people you have, the more fun this game is. So if I, I think if you can push it to three or four, you're going to have a better time with it. But again, quick game, 30, 40 minutes. Easy thing that you can play with almost the entire family. Something you can pull up by yourself if you just want to get better at flipping those darn ships. You can actually take out the mothership at the end. But really cool art, cool mechanics, fun game to play, easy game to teach simple game to learn just overall i enjoy it i think it's fun and like i said if you're looking for a dexterity game that isn't one of the the common ones you hear about whether it be flick them up or ice cool or something like that i really encourage you to flip ships or try it's one is it my pro it probably is my favorite dexterity game and i'm actually disappointed i haven't talked about it more because i really really do enjoy playing it so sir what is the last game that you want to talk about for a little bit more time well I'm actually going to make it short because the next game I'm going to talk about is going to be my What Did I Play on our next episode. Oh, okay. And that is Fog of Love, uh, a game that I kickstarted years ago, and then it took them years to get it to me. But (laughs) um, this is a game that I, you know, I've been, I keep looking at my wife, like, I keep telling her what I want to play. This is the game we ended up playing. Um, over the past weekend, uh, because she knew how much I wanted to play it. Um, uh, it, it's essentially, I mean, this is a game that people kept telling me that they really enjoyed it and it's great. And <clears throat> I don't know how much to believe. And it's cause it's, it's a unique theme and it's two players and everyone's like, if you're married, don't play this game with your significant other or not even necessarily married, but in a relationship. Um, Here's what I like about the game. It's inclusive, <clears throat> first of all, and that's important nowadays. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, you can play as 
a male and a female. You can play as two males. You can play as two females. You can pick uh, whatever you want to play as. That's great for a board gaming audience, especially with the LGBTQ crowd getting into board gaming as well. Um, and it's like PAX is very open about making that accessible to that group as well. So right away, you get that option. But this is a storytelling game with light role-playing in it, which made my wife a little uncomfortable. She doesn't really, she feels awkward and weird role-playing. I'm, you know, I'm trying to tell her it's just the two of us, and it's not like, you know, she's like, I feel weird naming my character. And I'm like, all you have to do is name your character. And then it tells you your, you know, you get personality traits, and it tells you what they are already. So you just kind of have to tell a story about why your character has those traits. And you don't even really have to do that. The game tells you you don't have to, um, but those character traits are so... Uh, anyways, I'll talk about how the game plays <clears throat> and what we did in the game on the next episode, but um, very high production quality. The game is just aesthetically pleasing. Um, it's new. It's interesting. There's no other game like it, um, and there's a lot of content uh, in the game with the expansions that it comes with. Plus the Kickstarter stuff I got and the stuff you can get um, separately, you can buy out in the wild now. Um, and it's pretty affordable. I think they just said like Walmart was selling the Walmart exclusive edition for like 25 bucks last week, which is super cheap. Yeah, it's like it half is. price. I don't know if it's still that price, but um, uh, I had a really good time with it. And I'm looking forward to talking actually about it when we talk about board games that we played. I very much look forward to hearing <laughs> about it because it's a game I've had my eye on. And I was actually looking at it on Amazon recently, and I think the thing that turned me off to buying it is that the game itself right now on Amazon is thirty eight ninety six. Oh, that's not bad. Right. There's three expansions. Yeah, they just ex- came out. <laughs> each expansion is thirty six dollars. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, which granted, I could just buy the base game and not be a whiner, but of course so, I'm not gonna do that. Right now at Walmart, it's twenty four ninety seven. Oh, that's a great price. And the expansion is fourteen ninety eight. Which expansion? Paranormal Romance. Interesting. The Paranormal Romance expansion mm-hmm. right now on Amazon is thirty six bucks. Because it says exclusively sold on Walmart dot com. Oh, well, you can buy it on Amazon. And I got this. This one came in my Kickstarter edition, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> Wonderful. Because I thought I was wondering if it was still because this game when it first came out was a Walmart exclusive, correct? Yes. Uh, well, after the Kickstarter, after yeah, the Kickstarter, they, they yeah. announced. Actually, Walmart got it before some of the Kickstarter backers. Um, I can tell you right now, for anyone listening who want a game to play with their significant other, or even you could play this with a buddy, you can totally do that. 24 bucks is a steal um, right now. All right. Norm- normally, it sells for, on Walmart, it sells for 50 bucks normally. Dang. All right. There you go. Deal of the day. Go and get it. Uh, the only other couple games I wanted to mention very briefly, um, just photosynthesis. Played it for the first time this year. Really enjoyed it. Love the trees and the mechanics there and the mechanisms of rotating mm-hmm. the sun around. So I think that game is great. Uh, Rescue Polar Bears, again, I know I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. As a cooperative game, it's wonderful. Has a good theme. Uh, you know, it's talk- tackling some difficult, well, I don't say, shouldn't say difficult, some important issues. And oh my goodness, is it hard? And I really enjoy games that make <laughs> things hard. And finally, Deception Murder in Hong Kong, which I just talked about like a week ago. I really do think that it is going to kind of be my go-to party game moving forward. It's just so easy to teach. It's so unique. And even though 
you know, there are going to be some people will be turned off because of the theme of it. I think overall, it's going to be something very different from other party games people have played, mm-hmm. and they're going to have a good time with it. So those will be the other three that have definitely been highlights of my board gaming year. Josh, what is the other highlight for you? So some quick highlights, uh, just kind of running game, game studios in general. It's been a great year and a half for me with them. Uh, Fox in the Forest, Clank, Pie Town, Flip Ships, there's more. Uh, lucidity um if i stopped to tally them up there's probably even more i've just had a great experience with renegade games um and then just like an awesome year my first year playing abstract games and the games that like who would have thought i would be such a fan of these games like onitama tokyo highway um element a, a spirit of the forest i guess i would consider a like, borderline abstract uh actually no i wouldn't um just abstract games have been awesome um in kickstarter what an awesome year for kickstarters even though technically most of my games were from last year right but um uh yeah i mean <laughs> sorry choking on my own saliva uh great 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 year for for me personally with these games so awesome I, I need to hang, hang my head in shame. I can't believe I didn't list Clank as one of my games this year. <laughs> it's okay. That was, that was a mistake. Clank was an amazing, amazing game. Uh, so I'm going to add that to my list too. Clank. Nice. Which there's, you know, an exclamation point. So you got to be like, Clank. <laughs> so awesome. All right. So with that, remind me, Josh, do we have any uh, listeners submit <laughs> anything? So we sent out a tweet asking everyone else, what are their gaming moments? Uh, just like us. We had one response. Atopalicious. Uh, Known as Plague, uh, known as our contest winner, uh, one of them. Um, the most fun I had was playing Meeple Circus with my nephews, 10 and 12. Meeple Circus is a game that is on my wish list. I hope I get it for Christmas. Uh, or Rhino Hero with my eldest daughter of five. Uh, and Rhino Hero, uh, thanks to hearing from Splig and pictures about that, I was able to recommend it to a friend who was looking for a game for kids, and they jumped right at at the price, uh, I think it was on sale on Amazon. So um, that's Splig's answers to our question. Well, that sounds like a wonderful year for gaming for Splig. And with that, I think it's about time we kind of bring this train into the station. But, of course, we're not going to leave you without a recommendation for living a well-rounded life. While we are clearly a gaming podcast, we want to give you one recommendation or suggestion or thing that we have been into lately that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your suggestion for the fine listeners? So I finished the Christmas episodes. I've nailed it. And then I was like, okay, do I watch something else? It was late. We power watched through the rest of the season. And, you know, Netflix pops up these recommendations and they said, you you might like The Fix. And I was like, what is The Fix? And I recognize the host. So the host is Jimmy Carr. He is a British comedian who I love. Uh, he has a very unique laugh, which my wife cannot stand. But I think it's... Uh, is he the guy I, who's like, ha-ha? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and she hates it. But I think it's like a funny quirk. It doesn't bother me as much as her. But I'm very aware of when it bothers other people when they hear his laugh. So I think that's kind of funny. <clears throat> the Fix is a panel a comedy show, and he's the host. Um, and they have uh, four comedians, and basically they ta- they tackle 
serious topics and how to fix them. So D.L. Hughley uh, is on one side. He is obviously one of the original Kings of Comedy. He had his own TV show. He's a very funny guy. Uh, he's on one side, and they'll match up a comedian with him on one panel. They do, like, versus the other panel. And it is a um, Canadian, a female Canadian comic who lives in England now. I had, I have never heard of her. She's very funny. Um, she looks like a stereotypical ditzy blonde, and she makes fun of it all the time. So when I first saw her, I was like, who is this person? And she's just... She's smart and she's super funny. So she like charmed me like right away. She won me over and then she'll have a guest on her side. And um, they've had guests, some of my favorite comedians like Ron Funches, Nikki Glaser, a bunch of um, great panelists on their, uh, um, uh, on their teams. And they basically pitch ways against each other. Like they tackle global, global warming, gun control, um, gentrification, all these crazy like topics you wouldn't imagine comedians talking about. It's a very funny show, but it mixes in real talk, real topics. Like he has a woman who comes out in like the middle of the show and she does like serious PowerPoint topics on things that are happening in this category that are genuinely jaw dropping and make you think. And then the teams are pitted against each other on how specifically they would fix this situation and they're always like jokes uh sometimes like it's such a funny thing that you like people like wait that might actually work like for gun control dl Hughley was like everyone joined the nra because now everyone's in the nra and now we can change it from the inside <laughs> and the nra doesn't want all these black people in it because you know they and they go off on the, all these jokes it's very funny it's very tongue-in-cheek it's not meant to be taken seriously, but I think I watched like nine episodes of it last night. I stayed up way too late watching it. It's only 26 minutes a piece, so it's easy to digest. Super high recommendation. Very funny. Easy watch. Awesome. Yeah, Jimmy Carr, like I really, his stand-up is pretty inappropriate, yeah. but I really enjoy it. And I think I, if you're not familiar with his stand-up um, listeners, he does a lot of just straight up one-liners. Like he like does just one line jokes and that is his thing. And he does more like bits than that. But like the big part of what he does still is he writes one line jokes. You know, it's not observational comedy all the time. Like most people do these days. So uh, it's very rare to see that. And they're often very inappropriate, but I, I laugh (laughs) a lot at them. (laughs) So I like him a lot. Yeah. So uh, that is the fix on Netflix. My recommendation is also available on Netflix. Uh, the other day I was flipping through, trying to decide something to watch because I was just going to kind of kill, ha- put something up in the background while I was doing something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, and I saw It Man was on there. And I was like, you know, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I want to watch this movie again. My goodness, do I love It Man. I, I love really, Donnie Yen. What's that? I love Donnie Yen. Yes, I love Donnie Yen as well. So I love just about everything he is in. I also am a big fan of martial arts movies in general. But I hadn't watched Ip Man in a while, and I turned it on to do something else, and I ended up just watching Ip Man. (laughs) (laughs) So I did get that other thing done, which wasn't great. But if you are interested or a fan of martial arts movies or are interested potentially in becoming a fan of martial arts movies, I think that's a really great place to start. I think the one thing that most martial arts movies suffer with that this movie does to a degree as well is that it it can be hard with dubbing and everything else, not dubbing, but with like reading subtitles and how everything works. And sometimes the stories are 
probably a little, I don't want to say convoluted, but they're a little basic usually. Um, this one does have some stronger themes to it, I think, than a lot of them do. Um, you know, it's not Kung, it's not Kung Fu Killer, um, but it's a, it's a good, enjoyable movie with really excellent martial arts action um, and a story that, you know, uh, you can understand. Like, you can understand the motivations of the characters and things like that. But I definitely recommend checking it out. There are, all three of them are on Netflix, so you can check them all out if you want to. But the first one, uh, definitely worth a watch. So with that, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? I think that's great. And I wanted to make, I wanted to tell, give some people some inside baseball that I thought was really funny. I usually, so Kyle writes up show notes. <clears throat> I usually read along with him as he reads show notes, just so I stick on track. And I, would, I noticed today, so there's a line that, that Kyle says, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. And then there's a winky smiley face, but it's just in text that me and you would see. So it's kind of just like, ambiguously there <laughs> well you know we're kind of we're kind of asking for people to say tell us that they like us <laughs> i just so like I, I think it's really funny that's all i just want i didn't want to interrupt you while you were saying it so i figured okay. I'd, I'd wait till the end and oh. I, since i just got the facebook plug out i'll say thanks for joining us everyone remember what i just said and remember you can find us on other social media at board with fiji use that hashtag Hashtag board with VG, a winky face. And we're also at boardwithvg at gmail.com. Uh, remember, we get, oh, Kyle's going to plug it at the end. Uh, why so serious? That's S I R R I U S. That is my gamer tag on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Here I thought I got a nice viewer PlayStation Network suggestion, uh, friend request. I went to check it, went to make sure it says play some video games. Nope. It was some girl asking me to text her so we could chat and gave me her phone number, which I know was not uh, that person. So I was disappointed. We didn't have a listener reach out for a friend request. So what you're saying is you didn't text her? No, I did think it would be really funny if I took that phone number down and wrote it in a bathroom stall. Oh, that <laughs> but, would be kind of funny. <laughs> I want to get someone else caught up in whatever that was. Uh <laughs> Uh, you can find me as uh, Josh Bones on Twitter, and I'm at baloney underscore Borboni on Instagram. But it's more important that just follow us at Board with Fiji on Instagram. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me in all the usual places: Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross C Y C O C R O S S. As we said on Twitter, our our uh, recording schedule, that's what I'm looking for. It's going to be a little mm -hmm. unusual the next few weeks, but you will get a regular show every Thursday morning. Um, but just note that our recording schedule might be a little bit different. And when we ask for questions and things like that, uh, might be a bit different. But our next episode, since, you know, we talked about board games this week, probably going to be about video games next week, about what we enjoyed from 2018. Sorry, so be on, Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, our first ever community game night will be Friday, December 21st from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Central Time. Playing some Overwatch on PS4. Please just send me a message on PSN saying you want to join and you'll get the invite, whether it be for one game or the whole time. Just come on out, play some Overwatch. Again, you can find me at Psychocross on PSN, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.